Merker, putative builder of Uruk, makes a literary claim to having invented writing itself. Otherwise, the first was in Hidu Anna. In self-laudatory hymns, Shulji claimed to have mastered various aspects of the scribal curriculum, including music and divination. He asserted that none of the young students could write tablets as well as he, and that Nasaba, patron deity of writing, provided him with intelligence and wisdom. In the hymns he also credited the scribal school with preserving tradition. Other kings responsible for the development of libraries were Tiglath Pileser I, who brought together tablets at his palace at Kalku and Assur. While scribes and scholars may have served the needs of temples and palaces, several royal figures claim to have mastered, or at least achieved an individual scribe's career. Evidence from the scribal curriculum demonstrates how and what the scribes learned. An understanding of the breadth of scribal and scholarly activity is deduced from the documents they produced. While the career of an individual scribe is generally difficult to trace, it is possible to determine that some scribes served that profession for their entire adulthoods. Scribal careers of 30 or more years, while not typical, are attested. Evidence from the careers of two scribes at Hellenistic Uruk affords a rare opportunity to examine aspects of an individual scribe's career at a particular place and time. It would be unfair, however, to generalize the conclusions based on this evidence to all periods of scribal craft. This brief glimpse into a scribe's career focuses on Anubelshunu and his grandson, who, in accordance with the practice of Papanimi Common at Uruk, were the same name. Both were involved, either as owner or scribe, with some two dozen texts. Between the years 230 and 193 BCE, the grandfather wrote a variety of texts, including a contract recording a real estate purchase, omen tablets, lamentations, and a ritual to be followed by the Kalu priest. A horoscope indicates that he was born in 248. Therefore, this man began his scribal career no later than his 17th year, and practiced his profession until he was 55 years old. When his name appeared in other colophons, he was the owner of astronomical texts that date from 192 to 176 BC. Thus, Anubelshuna served as a scribe and began to collect scientific documents, probably for a personal reference library, once he no longer was an active scribe. His grandson adheres to this pattern of scribal and scholarly activity. He wrote texts from 178 to 172 BC. These texts were records of real estate transfers, and a letter describing the training of scribes. Evidence from the remainder of his career, spanning 186 to 164 BCE, shows him as a tablet owner of some of the most unusual texts of the time, including a unique list of the names of antediluvian sages. Either this Anubelshina had access to some of the more esoteric material in the Hellenistic cuneiform corpus, other examples of which have not survived, or he was uniquely creative and talented. In either case, the evidence from the careers of this grandfather and grandson, combined with that from other scribes of this clan at Uruk, overwhelmingly suggests that the careers of scribes adhered to this pattern. They began by writing routine formulaic texts, such as legal contracts, and as their interest or talent increased, progressed to copy scholarly treatises. Some became collectors of tablets, in much the same way that modern scholars build personal reference libraries in their areas of interest or expertise. Like Shulji, Asurbanipal was not modest about his erudition. I am versed in the craft of the sage Adapa, an antediluvian hero. I studied the secret lore of the entire scribal craft. I know the celestial and terrestrial portents. I discuss competence in the circle of the masters. I argue about the text if the liver is a correspondence of the sky with expert diviners. I can solve the most complicated divisions and multiplications which do not have a solution. I have read intricate tablets inscribed with obscure Sumerian 
or Akkadian difficult to unravel, and examined sealed, obscure, and confused inscriptions on stone from before the deluge. More significant evidence of Asurbanipal's interest in scholarly activities is the library he created at Nineveh. One letter from a scribe to Asurbanipal indicated that the king was personally involved in deciding which tablets were to be included in the collection. The scribe noted that all texts he suggested for the king's consideration were worth preserving for eternity. In a letter to a second scribe, Asurbanipal directed the scribe to find designated tablets in various houses and in the temple of Nabu at Babylon. The king instructed the temple overseer and magistrates to place at this scribe's disposal any tablets he deemed suitable for the palace library. Nabonidus, the last Neo-Babylonian king, has long been known for his antiquarian interests. In attempting to re-establish aspects of the cult of the moon god Sin, Nabonidus consulted older stele and tablets for the proper procedures. He claimed to have taken out old tablets and writing boards, and to have restored the works according to ancient customs. The Royal Chronicle recorded that while Nabonidus claims to have consulted the earlier documents, he handled the texts ignorantly. Innovation within the sphere of officialdom might reflect an episode of deliberate reform, or alternatively, an ongoing process of smaller-scale ad hoc alterations. In the Neo-Assyrian Empire, it was the king who initiated and controlled conscious acts of bureaucratic innovation. He imposed administrative rearrangements, or even widespread reform, either because of a perceived need to improve the system, or, in some cases, in response to a political crisis. There have been a few attempts to associate deliberate changes to officialdom during the Neo-Assyrian period with particular historical events. For example, the apparent reinforcement of personnel concerned with palatial access during the reign of Asurbanipal to the after-effects of Sennacherib's murder, as well as the conspiracy against Esarhaddon. These political disturbances may in turn have been partly provoked by the reinforcement of the establishments of the Queen and Crown Prince from the reign of Sennacherib on. While the enhanced role of the establishments of the Crown Prince and the Queen indicates that additional responsibilities were adopted by key figures of the royal family, the growth in the number and range of officials concerned with palatial access reflects an increasing attention on the royal household. This increased focus on internal matters by Esarhaddon and Asurbanipal, contrasting it with the achievements of Tiglath-Pileser III and Sargon II in enlarging Assyrian territory and in reforming the provincial and military system. In view of these developments the reigns of Tiglath-Pileser III and Sargon II became a conquest phase, and those of Sennacherib, Esarhaddon and Asurbanipal an imperial phase. As to the royal family in Neo-Assyrian times, apart from the king it is the crown prince, the queen, and the king's mother who feature in the sources as prominent figures. Moreover, these key royal figures begin to appear more frequently with their own staff, forming separate establishments. This would lead us to the question of the degree of rationality in the sense of bureaucratic and patrimonial rule. While the assignment of specific tasks to specific functionaries implies a degree of rationalization, ad hoc assignments are more consistent with a patrimonial mode of domination. Thus the Neo-Assyrian Empire may be categorized as a mixed type, a patrimonial bureaucratic empire. The introduction of the Rab Sakadi, Lockmaster, and the Sapan Narabi, Entrance Supervisor, in the reign of Asurbanipal is an innovation of that time. These establishments underwent some modifications. The evidence for personnel of the king's mother dates exclusively to the 7th century, presumably owing to the prominence of Nakia, king's mother of Isarhaddon. The queen had her own staff throughout the Neo-Assyrian period, but only in the 7th century do we have evidence for an expanded household. Similar developments apply in the case of the crown prince, to whom the term Marsari usually refers. 
Before the 7th century we heard of the Masenyu, so-called treasurer, the Sakurbudi officials, aid, and unspecified servants, Urdu, under the authority of the crown prince. While these functionaries are explicitly designated as his subordinates, their activities were limited to the external sphere. The treasurer of the crown prince administered real estate, and the Sakurbudi officials of the crown prince were often concerned with captives and other military-related affairs. Similarly, the Suzani Sasepe, horse trainers of the personal guard, mentioned in a letter of the crown prince, Sennacherib to his father as being in his service, were related to the military. Before the 7th century, unspecified servants of the crown prince appear as witnesses, and perhaps once in a short administrative note from the reign of Adadnarari III. From the same reign there is a fragment of a land grant preserved mentioning men of the house of the crown prince, Emil Sabet Marsari, in the penalty clause. This could in particular refer to landed property of the crown prince, as is probably also the case with Bet Sari, house of the king's sons, mentioned in the decree on the appointment of Nervalapal Kumua in the reign of Ornerpal II. Hence, while the crown prince is attested as having his own domain already in the 9th century, his establishment, as well as his personnel is in particular associated with external affairs, his household property is less observable. For most of the personnel of the king's mother we cannot determine whether their attestations date to the late reign of Isarhaddon or early reign of Asurbanipal, although the evidence seems to refer to Nakia. The most prominent figure in this respect is the palace supervisor. It is only in the reign of Sennacherib that Rabek's officials appear as subordinates of the queen, e.g. chief cook of the queen, describing this functionary as royal representative par excellence. The Messenia managed the estates of the king, crown prince, and king's mother. Subordinates of the crown prince only described as the men of his household perhaps indicate an early stage of development for the service of the crown prince, but also key figures of the household administration previously only known in connection with the king's own household. There is the Sapan Ekli, palace supervisor, attested beneath the crown prince from the late reign of Isarhaddon. He is probably mentioned in two Babylonian letters, and he also witnesses a house sale. Additionally a chariot fighter of his, Mar Damki saw Sapanakali saw Marsari, sells a woman in the year 629 BC. It may be that the palace supervisor of the crown prince, like his counterpart of the main palace, was responsible for access to the crown prince's establishment, assuming that Bet Reduti refers to or is associated with this institution. We also find a Samwi Bet Reduti, overseer of the succession house, who owes silver to a Sirmudamak in the reign of Asurbanipal. A similar office was presumably Samwi Beti Samarsari. Beldoli, frequently attested as witness for the eunuch Samasarayur between 660 and 631 BCE, bears this title when witnessing a donation to Ninurta. Apart from these two Samwi X titles, there is also the Rab Bet Marsari, majordomo of the crown prince, attested in two 7th century documents. The title may be restored in a ceremonial banquet account and in a legal document designating Esbu who receives silver. The literal meaning of the titles Samwi Beti and the Rab Beti suggests an official managing or supervising a household. The attestations of these offices within the domain of the crown prince do not reveal their particular tasks. These are illuminated by the evidence for the two offices installed beneath magnates and provincial governors. To name just a few significant instances, the Samwi Beti of the governor of Kalu appears once in connection with releasing an official, while the Rab Beti of the chief cupbearer figures in connection with assembling troops, assuming that the two titles are different. Succession House also indicated by the designation Mar Reduti e.g. for the Crown Prince Asurbanipal together with Samus Simayukan who entered the Bet Reduti when nominated as Crown Prince and lived there afterwards.
The term Bet-Raduti first appears in the Neo-Assyrian period, when references to it almost exclusively derive from the 7th century. A single attestation of Bet-Mar-Sari Bet-Raduti in a copy of a decree of Tukulti-Ninurta I, presumably dating to the reign of Shalmaneser III, reveals that this concept already existed in the 9th, or even 13th century BCE, but only Sennacherib constructed a Bet-Raduti in Nineveh, according to the inscriptions of his grandson. Asurbanipal further states that he grew up in this building, designated as alternate palace within Nineveh, and thus he lived there before his nomination. Furthermore, it is clear from the letter of Sarawayirat, eldest daughter of Isarhaddon, that the Bet-Raduti was intended for other royal children too. Hence, the Bet-Raduti is not strictly identical with the Bet-Marsari, but it is highly related to the Marsari. Il-Beldoli bears the title Somwi Beidi, without reference to the crown prince, Although he was most likely installed beneath the crown prince here too, it should be rather read as e.g. dub. Esbu's relation to the domain of the crown prince is emphasized by his father's designation from the village of the crown prince. Asamwi Beidi is also attested within the temple sphere and beneath the Sapanekali. It seems that the Rab Beidi was especially engaged in military affairs, while the Samwi Beidi was rather responsible for his master's household proper. However, it is significant that only in the 7th century were the household overseer, the major domo, as well as the palace supervisor attested beneath the crown prince. Assuming them to be administrators within large households, their subordination to the crown prince indicates that his household was of considerable size, including administrative personnel for its internal organization. Whereas the title Sapanekli implies that the crown prince's household was a palatial one, thus indicating its enhanced status, the Samwibedi, and the Rab Beidi emphasize its structural similarities with those of the magnates and governors, presumably related to the fact that the crown prince had his own province in the 7th century. The Rab Nuatami, chief cook, and the Rab Karkadini, chief confectioner, feature almost exclusively within the households of the king and his closest relatives, including the domain of the crown prince. The chief cook of the crown prince is witnessed in a broken legal document while his chief confectioner is listed in an administrative record dated to the reign of Asurbanipal on prosopography grounds. He is one of 49 higher-ranking magnates of the crown prince who were apparently just assigned to the heir to the throne. As the tablet is broken, only 5 out of 49 officials are preserved, namely the chief confectioner, the chief of equipment, Rab Tilly, the official in charge of the levy, Rab Batki, the chief of accounts, Rab Nikasi, and an overseer with his personal name, the chief of accounts of the crown prince is also mentioned in a list of palace personnel. Judging from the overall attestations of these two officials, they were responsible for the maintenance and organization of particular foodstuff, the chief cook was occupied with the supply of meat, related to temple offerings, and the chief confectioner was associated with fruits. The sources shed little light on the duties of these officials under the crown prince, though it seems reasonable to assume that they performed tasks similar to their counterparts in the main household. Hence, in the reign of Isarhaddon or Asurbanipal the crown prince's establishment may have been self-sufficient in the provision of foodstuffs for the household itself and for certain temple offerings. Although observations made for the Middle Assyrian period suggest that the two titles were used interchangeably, Rab Akali and Samwi Akali, perhaps supported by the Neo-Babylonian case concerning the titles Samwi Sudi, El Sudi, and Rab Sudi, they will be kept separate as regards to contextualization. Not only does this underline the construction of a palace for the crown prince Asurbanipal in Tarbiu, but may in particular refer to this circumstance. A chief cook of the Ister temple is also attested. The contextualization of other chief cooks and chief confectioners also suggests a temple connection. This assignment may have been only temporary, 
For instance, it could have been related to the assignment of lodgings, as from the reign of Isarhaddon or Asurbanipal. This official can also be found as subordinate of the commander-in-chief. Personnel responsible for gatekeeping are first attested for the crown prince in the reign of Isarhaddon. Specific officials administering the locking of doors are only attested in the reign of Asurbanipal. Erdatla, the lock master of the crown prince, Rab Sakadi Samar Sari, witnesses a legal transaction of the eunuch Samasariyur, as the office of lock master does not appear before the reign of Asurbanipal. This official was not only newly introduced into the crown prince's household, but also into the king's own household at this time. It is not attested in connection with the households of other royal family members apart from the crown princes. There are also some professionals attested under the crown prince's authority, including a few explicitly designated as belonging to this household. This is the case with a brewer, Saresa Sabet Marsari, a master builder, Atinu Sabet Marsari, and a carpenter, Nagru Sabet Marsari. Other personnel include a shepherd, Ryu, a farmer, Ikaru, and a tiller, Katinu. There is even a cook mentioned in the literary composition known as the underworld vision of an Assyrian prince, where this person is made responsible for the preparation of mountain beer, Sikur Sadi. Out of these professionals the tiller, the farmer, and the shepherd would clearly have been active outside of the crown prince's residence, but the brewer, and the cook, may be counted among the domestic staff of the crown prince. Most of these individuals feature in legal documents, either as witnesses, or as house owners. The latter is the case with the brewer and the carpenter, where the brewer appears as a house buyer, and the carpenter as a neighboring house owner. According to the origin of the tablet, as well as the overseer of royal graves listed as another neighboring house owner, the houses in question were situated in a sir, house owner Kuliyu, said to be of the house of the crown prince. As is evident from another legal document, the crown prince was in the possession of a house in a sir in the reign of Isarhaddon. This may partly explain why professionals subordinate to the crown prince resided in Assur, and not in Nineveh, where the crown prince's main seat was located at that time.